Amen. Well, I think it's uh, not a surprise to uh, state this. We live in a world filled with fakes. Fake fingernails, not me, but many of you. Fake eyelashes, fake furs, fake jewelry, fake works of art, fake food, (laughs) and even fake money. We are up to our eyeballs in cheap imitations. I read a true story about an elegant dinner party that was held at a prominent and wealthy physician's home in Phoenix. Excuse me. The physician was honoring his wife, who had just graduated from a gourmet cooking class. Uh, This woman, the graduate, uh, was a first class nut, probably somebody that many of us would really love being around. She decided she would pull a prank on her dinner guests. Instead of serving the normal hors d'oeuvres, she served dog food. Uh, She served it on delicate little crackers with a wedge of imported cheese, bacon bits, an olive, and just a sliver of pimento. As she called them hors d'oeuvres a la Alpo, nobody really got the joke initially. They ate it, they loved it, and when she told them what it was, uh, she couldn't believe the reaction. I mean, the faces, the way they looked, and some of them were sick to their stomach. Some of them felt like they wanted to bite her on the leg. So, I mean, this was really something else. Our world is full of deception and deceivers. People wearing masks, hiding behind a masquerade. Last week we looked at deception and temptation. And we called that the sin cycle. You remember that from last week. And I want to remind you, if if you miss one of these uh, Sunday morning sermons, I encourage you to go online and listen to it. Uh, We usually have that uh, up uh, and running on Monday morning. Uh, so that you can stay in the continuity of what we're teaching. Uh, you want to understand the book of James and also for your small groups and your devotions. So I just encourage you to do that. Also, I want to remind you that um, uh, one of the challenges that I gave you on the first week was to read the book of James every week. Okay? One chapter a day, Monday through Friday. Take the weekends off, but read the book of James every week. So last week we looked at um, this deception and temptation. And we looked, we understood from the first part of chapter one that a deception means that we are drawn away by our own evil desires. We can't blame God for temptations. We can't blame this Satan for temptations. Uh, We can't blame our wife or our husband for temptations, but we are drawn away by our own evil desire, the text told us. And then we talked about designer bait, how that the enemy knows Each one of us, our weaknesses, our besetting sin, our Achilles heel. Each one of us have things that we are drawn to that is not food, but it is bait. But we have things that we are drawn to. And if we attach our strong desire, our evil desire to that which is not food, the result of that, what grows out of that, the Bible told us last week, is Sin And sin, when that is full grown, leads to death. And death, when it is given birth 
from this strong desire and this which is not food, uh, which is bait. Uh, when that comes forth, that death that is born literally affects and touches everything around it. In other words, we don't sin in uh, uh, by ourselves. When we sin, when that strong desire is attached to what we have believed is food, gives birth to sin, that is not in a vacuum. It affects many people. When I, um, when I was gambling in the mid-1990s, and, uh, you know, I thought it was a, a secret sin. I thought it was a, I wasn't hurting anybody. Uh, I thought, you know, and you, that's why you rationalize sin. And, and then I realized that when I confessed my sin, that I affected literally thousands of people. Uh, the 500 people in my church in Roseville, um, hundreds of friends from the years past, my family, I uh, affected thousands of people by my sin. So when sin is given birth and that leads to death, that touches a lot of people and everything it touches, it hurts. That's what we talked about last week. Now, in the next section of Scripture that we're going to be looking at today, uh, when I was looking at this passage, I thought to myself, you know, there's like 12 sermons in these verses. There's like 12 things we can focus on, but I want to keep uh, the same line of reasoning because James really talks about this idea of deception in the first uh, chapter. So, in this next section uh, that we've entitled Acts... On his beliefs. Remember, we're talking about character references. And if you wanted to hire somebody, you would want somebody who acts on his beliefs, whose life is consistent, what they say and what they do. They're congruous. Uh, we want somebody like that. This character trait describes someone who lives what he believes. Someone who is consistent, what they say and what they do. Someone whose life, life and words align. Someone whose life is congruous. Someone whose life um, is not filled with deception. And, and the deception that the enemy talks about, the enemy does in this section is this. And this is the phrase that, uh, that James uses. That you hear the word of God, but what? You do not do it. You, you hear the truth. But you do not act on it. That's the deception that James is talking about in this next section of Scripture. Let me read that for you. Now, if you have your Bibles, turn to James chapter 1. It's verses 19 to 27. In your sermon notes, the, um, the address is wrong. You'll notice it says James 1, 13 to 15. That was last week. But James 1, 19 to 27, the text itself is correct. And we'll put it up on the screen as well. Hear the Word of God for you today. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, verse 21, Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly Accept the word planted in you, key word there, which can save you. Verse 22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. 
Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. There's that imagery of a mask, right? We don't really show everybody who we really are. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Some of you are going right now, ouch, <laughs> ouch. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and keep oneself from being polluted by the world. James is saying very clearly, it's not enough to hear the good news. It's not enough even to believe the good news. But it really matters how you live out your faith. Now, let's dig into the text. And I want to begin by doing a little theology work with you. And it's in the text, but it'll sound kind of like theology, so hang with me. I want to talk to you about the purposes of the Bible, the purposes of the Word of God. The purposes of the Word of God. There are two. And I'll tell you up front what they are. They are revelation and transformation. The purpose of the Word of God is revelation and transformation. Let's take a look at that. Revelation is this. Its purpose is to reveal truth. Verse 21. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. So one of the purposes of the word of God is to reveal truth to you. The word of God can save you if that word is revealed. It's the power to call forth life, to accept the word as revelation. Now, uh, let me share with you three Things about hearing the word of God. This is important to uh, grasp from this text. Three things about hearing the word of God. The first is this. Be quick to listen and slow to speak. Silence out there. That's good. You're paying attention. <laughs> quick to listen, slow to speak. Somebody a lot smarter than me said, that's why God gave you two ears and one mouth. You do the math. <laughs> how much you're supposed to listen, how much you spoke to talk, supposed to talk. Be quick to listen and slow to speak. Now, in the original language, what it talks about is a sense of eagerness, a sense of attentiveness to the Word of God. Now, whether you're opening your Bible at home and having your devotions, there's the sense of eagerness and attentiveness to the Word of God. Now, I love to read. I love to read, uh, especially history. And I just finished Alaska, Mishner's Tome. And I'm reading Follett's new book, The Big Fat One. And, and I love these big fat books because I really get into them and I love them. But I have to always remember the book that is able to transform. Mitchner never transformed anybody. Follett never transformed anybody. The power to transform is the Word of God. So I want to be eager and attentive ready to hear God's word, grasping every opportunity or taking advantage of the moment to listen to God 
through the spoken or the read word. You will notice that there's two things that usually happen on a Sunday morning at Hope Covenant Church. There's a lot of other things that happen. We'll show videos, we'll do worship, all that. But there's two things that you will consistently hear and see. And that's the Word of God. You'll see it in the, in the, in the, in the praise songs. All of those praise songs are taken from the Bible. You'll see it when I preach. You'll hear it when we read from the text. You'll hear... And you will see the word of God. So we are encouraging you, this text, be quick to listen, slow to speak, to be eager and attentive, ready to hear God's word. Now, what that means is on your way to church, try and not get in an argument with your wife. Okay? I mean, the, the best place for the enemy to get us in an argument with our spouse is on the way to church, right? You get there and you're just all just mad and just, and you're coming. Well, how are you today? Well, I'm great. God be blessed, you know, praise the Lord, I'm great, uh, glory to God, you know, all that stuff and everything. And no, but inside I'm really mad at my wife or my husband. You know, we have to be eager, attentive, ready to hear the Word of God, grasping every opportunity or taking advantage of the moment to listen to God through the spoken or the read Word. That's what we're called to do. Be quick to listen, slow to speak. The question is this, are we doing that? Are we passionately and diligently setting aside time to listen to God's word? Now, that's reading, listening to the radio, listening to a tape or a CD or watching something on television, coming to church and hearing the word of God, Bible studies. All of those things are for us. Are we doing that? Is there a yearning, a hungering? Now, we've talked a lot last week. We talked a lot about the difference between bait and food. Bait never satisfies. It tastes like and smells like food. Uh, we, uh, we put our, it's in front of our nose and we taste it and it tastes good. And wow, that's wonderful. But as soon as we swallow it, a walleye says, uh-oh, that wasn't food. It sure tasted good. But when I swallowed it, man, was I wrong. That's not food. And this is the end of my life, you know, unless it's catch and release. This, it's all over. Sometimes we have to recognize the difference between bait and food. The Bible says, the prophet said in Amos, to, that we have to recognize that which is bread. Recognize that which is bread. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Jesus said, I am the water of life. Jesus said, all you who are thirsty and hungry, come to me. All you who are heavy laden, come to me. Jesus said, it's me, it's me, it's me, it's me. It's my family. It's the church of Jesus Christ. It's all those things in the world that I have given you to enjoy. It's me, it's me, it's me. That's what Jesus says. That's what is food. That's what is life. That's what gives forth life is me. Is there a yearning, a hungering for Jesus and for His Word? Psalm 42, As a deer pants for the streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. Is that where your heart is? It's because it's not. If, if we're not hungry and thirsty for the Word of God, for Jesus in the flesh, for Jesus in the written form, if we're not hungry and thirsty, something else will come along that is not food. It is bait and we will snatch it and it will give forth to sin, the Bible says, and that ultimately will give forth to bear light that will bear death. It will happen. So are we 
being quick to listen? Are we bending into the word of God? Now, some of you say, well, pastor, I don't I don't feel like reading the Bible. Well, you know what? There are times I don't either. Don't feel badly about that. There are times that I don't feel like reading the Bible. I don't want to hear from God. I want to do my own. I know what that feels like. But that's where the discipline comes in, right? Because every time I have to say, you know what? I'm not going to go with my feelings. Well, I hate it when human beings just think they have to go with their feelings. I'm not going to go with my feelings. I'm going to go with what I know is right. And so I'm going to, and then when I read it, guess what? The Spirit of God fills me up every single time. Are we quick to listen? Are we yearning and hungering? Sherry, uh, my, as many of you know, she's been sick for about a month now. Bronchitis, almost pneumonia, uh, just terrible sick. And blame it on the Cisneros kids, but who, you know, you know I don't, I don't want to do that, but I just did it. And uh, so she is sick, and she, this is the third Sunday she's missed. She hates that she's in tears today. She wants to be here with you. But here's something I've learned about my wife. There is no one that has more of a yearning and a hunger for God's Word. She gets out of bed every morning and she races to our living room where that's her place. She's got a stack of Bibles and books. She does BSF. She does her daily devotions. She does the character references. She goes over my sermon notes. She is just consumed and just thirsty for God's Word. That's what God's calling us to be. Be quick to listen. Slow to speak. But there's something else about hearing the Word of God. It says also, be slow to anger in verse 19. A heart that is filled with resentment has no room for the word of truth. If you're in a place in your life, and we've all been at this place at different times, where you have no desire, no hunger for the word of God, you, you, you don't really care about that, uh, you need to check something. You need to check your heart. You need to check whether or not you're filled with resentment, anger unresolved, aged anger. Something maybe from your childhood, something from last week, something with your spouse or with a child or a parent or somebody at work. Are are you filled with anger? Because if you are, if you're filled with anger, there is no room for the seed of God's Word to get in you and grow deeply in your life. That's why the Bible calls that aged anger that's in you that's not dealt with. A root of bitterness. It's a root. It grows deeply. And it, and it takes away the good seeds. Uh, Matthew 13, the parable of the, the sower and the seeds. If you have this aged anger, this bitterness, this anger, resentment inside of you, it will choke out the sure word of God. Read Matthew 13. So we have to be careful. The, hearing the word of God is about being quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. And the third thing we read is, to, to get rid of all moral filth and evil. Now, to get rid of that phrase in the Greek means literally to tear off your clothes. Okay, so if you're wearing the clothes of a, a dead man, for instance, Lazarus, uh, when he was buried, he was buried in his grave clothes. So he's wearing the clothes of a dead man. When he came forward and Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. A dead man came out, you know, walking like this. And he came forth. And the first thing Jesus said was what? Take off his clothes. 
Take off those, those, those old dead clothes that have bound him and keep him from living a full life, that keep him from being free and walking and moving. His own. Take off those clothes. And sometimes we have to remember that we have to take off our old sinful clothes. Those things which bind us up. Those things that, that keep us from living and moving and breathing freely. Those things that keep us from recognizing the difference between bait and food. We need to take off those clothes. That's what this means. Get rid of all moral and filth. Get rid of them. Take them off. Strip off those garments. Because before you put on your new clothes, and that's what God wants to... The new clothes come with the Word of God. Before you put on those new clothes, you have to get rid of the old stuff. Who's going to put on a new suit over old raggedy clothes? It's not going to happen. Take off the old clothes. Put on new. Another part of this uh, passage, this text, uh, to get rid of means to literally pull weeds. That's what it means. So th- those... Things that have taken root in you, whether it's anger or filth or evil, that's the word that uh, James uses. Uh, those things have to be pulled out like weeds. The, the word filthiness, I know it's a, it sounds like a bad word. It is a bad word. Filthiness, you know, the, the word means literally uh, wax in your ear. <laughs> wax in your ear. And of course, that, you know what that connotes. You have wax in your ear. You can't hear the word of God. You can't discern between bait and food. If you've got wax in your ear, when our youngest son Tyler was about seven, six, seven years old, he used to have ear infections and he would build up wax in both of his ears. And we didn't know this. The first time we took him to the pediatrician after he had been sick, the pediatrician said, man, alive. And he pulled out a big thing out of both of Tyler's ears, a big wad of wax and stuff. And he said, man. And when he pulled that out, Tyler's eyes went like this. And, you know, we thought he was just being disobedient. He wasn't hearing us. Tyler, pick up your robe, you know. And he had wax in his ears. If you have wax in your ears, how can you possibly hear the word of God? If you've allowed filth and evil desires to build up in your life, those deep roots, how can you possibly hear the word of God? So if you are not hungering and thirsting for God, you need to ask yourselves a couple of questions. Am I bitter? Am I angry towards someone? And do I have wax in my ears? Have I allowed filth and evil desires to fill up my life to where the word of God has no place? That's what you need to ask. The phrase get rid of. In the Greek, that's a continuous action. In other words, you, you are always getting rid of filth and evil desires. I'd like to say the good news is this. If you confess your sins, you'll never, have, you'll never sin for the rest of your life. Here's that, the good news is the truth is God will forgive your sins. The bad news, you'll probably keep on sinning. <laughs> You're, that's part of being a human being. That's part of being broken, right? But it says to keep on. Continuous action. Keep on removing the wax from your ears. Keep on pulling the weeds out of your life. Keep on doing it. Now, James is calling us to receive the truth from his word. To do so, we must prepare ourselves. Take off the old clothes. Pull out the roots. Take the wax out of our ears. We have to be prepared in order to receive the sure word of God. Let me illustrate it this way. Uh, When I was in high school... Actually, it started when I was about the eighth grade. My father got this brilliant idea, ugh, this brilliant idea that because I was a male and I could do stuff, I could do work, that he would have a project for me every summer. 
So here I am, you know, the girls, they're inside playing paper dolls, but I've got a project to do. And I've told you about one of them. I was supposed to pull out eucalyptus tree stumps and you know, that's a whole different story. Our 59 Chevy was never the same after that. But one summer, my dad, I think I was a junior in high school or finishing my junior year. My dad said, I want you to paint the house. OK, now, finally, it's not pulling out tree stumps. It's not digging leech lines for our septic tank, which I had to do several summers. That was a bad job. Painting the house. Now, that sounds like fun. In fact, I looked at our house. It wasn't a big house. We had wood shingles. They were the three-inch lath kind of shingles on our house. That's what our house was covered. This was back in the 60s. And it needed painting. And I thought, now, this could be fun. I get to get up on a ladder. I get to slap some paint on. It's going to be awesome. I can do this in about a day and then have the rest of the summer to myself. Okay? So my dad said, okay, now before you start, let me tell you what you need to do. And he started handing me these instruments, like a wire brush. What's that thing, you know? I mean, and a, and a scraper. What's that for, you know? And sandpaper. What do I need that for? And he said, every inch of this house on the outside has to be wire brushed and scraped and sanded. I said, you got to be kidding. What happened to the painting? He said, well, you get to the painting in about a month, you know, because it'll take you that long. Every inch of the house has to be wire brushed and scraped and sanded. He said, if you don't do that, if you just leave the paint, the old paint all curly and bad, you slap paint on that. It won't take it won't take it won't last a year. And so my dad uh, gave me this wonderful job to do. Now, that's exactly what James is saying. You can't slap on God's word and expect it to stick long term if you're not prepared. You can't just get a 30 minute sermon on Sunday and decide that that's enough of God's word that will sustain me throughout the week, that will take care of those weeds that are growing in you, that wax that is growing in your ear, that will take care of that resentment that's building up inside. It just won't happen. We have to prepare ourselves to receive the Word of God with a teachable spirit, with humility, with open ears, an open heart, and the ability to receive the Word of God. Now, that's the first purpose of the Word of God, revelation. We need to hear the Word of God. How are you receiving God's revealed Word? Is it getting through? Are you taking time to prepare your heart by scraping and sanding and, 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 and wire brushing your life? Are you removing the anger? Are you removing all filthiness and evil, as the text says? Last um, Sunday, well, in the first service, uh, Mark, uh, Mark Sullivan uh, talked to me during the week. He called me and we had a nice conversation. But he said, I want to tell you something about last Sunday. And uh, uh, when somebody says that to me, I usually think, oh, man, I used a bad word or something. But uh, he said about halfway through the sermon, he said, my back was really hurting me. So I got up and I walked to the back of the church and I can't see back there. I can't see who's back there because of the lights. But he said, I walked to the back of the church uh, just to stand and hear the rest of the sermon because of my back. And he said, Here, here's what I saw and experienced when I was back there. He said, there was you, you, you could hear a pin drop. People were, it's like they were leaning forward in their seats, hearing and receiving the Word of God. 
Everybody was focused on that word and what was being said and what was going on inside of their lives. And there was this sense of leaning forward and pressing in and saying, this is God's word and this is for me. I love that. It's not about me being a good speaker. You know, you can hear a lot better speakers than me. It's about the word of God being proclaimed and your heart being ready to receive it. The filthy clothes are removed. The weeds are pulled out. The wax is out of your ears. And you are ready to come and to receive the word of God. That's what happens to a church that has the revealed truth of God in their lives. It thrills me when I see that. Someone said um, in in their notes on their welcome card or on their uh, response cards that we need to provide Kleenex at the end of every, you know, end of every row. And and that was their way of saying that the spirit of God moved in their life. I I love that. It, It was a cute way of saying it, but the spirit of God is moving among us. So I encourage you, brothers and sisters, to receive the revealed word of God through your own personal Bible study, through Alpha that starts tonight, through your grow groups, through your personal devotions, through the word of God on Sunday, through radio and television, every single method, God's revealed word. Are you listening? It's the word. It's food. It's that which is food. Amos said. Are you listening? That's the first part, revelation. The second part is transformation. It's great to receive the revealed Word of God. It's awesome. We can't live without it. We need that Word. But the second part, the second reason for the Word of God to even be spoken or preached is transformation. Look at verse 22. Do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. In other words, it's one thing to listen. It's good. It's good. You receive the revealed word of God. That's good. It's one thing to listen. It's a whole other thing to obey. Uh, in my, the church I grew up in, there was a man, uh, his name was John Gray. And John had several sons, and a couple of his sons were my age, and we were in classes together and went to school together. Uh, and John was one of those guys at church who was looked up to as, as a leader. Uh, He knew the Bible backwards and forwards. He could quote all the Bible verses. And not only could he quote the Bible verses, he quoted them in King James, which makes him more spiritual. At least in the 60s it did. And, 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 and of course, nobody knew what he was talking about, but because of these and thou's and those, you know, thou'th and all that. So, but, 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 but he, and he could pray. Could that man pray? He could stand and pray with his arms lifted for hours. It was awesome. And, and he could tell you what you should do and tell you how you ought to live. And he knew all of the stuff. But uh, you know what? It didn't translate to his life. Here's a man that talked about how you should behave, but he behaved very badly at the construction site where he was a supervisor. I had first-hand notice of this when I was working for him. Uh, He showed no love to anyone, even though the Bible says that the most important thing is love. He showed no grace to anyone, even though he had been filled with grace by God. And there is something wrong when you know the Word and you don't do it. You know what? Satan knows the Word of God. He doesn't do it. He knows it. He knows it better than you do. But he doesn't do it. Some of us come on Sunday, we listen, we take notes, we get a tear in our eye, we laugh. But when we leave 
the Word of God has somehow no power to change our lives. I mean, our purpose as a church is all about transformed lives. We are not a maintenance church. We're not a church where you just come and we'll just eat and eat and eat and get more Bible and more, 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 and just fill, fill, fill until we're all obese Christians because we have all the stuff in us. We are people who want to be fed and to go out and feed others and serve others and be Christ to others. That's the, that's transformation. We don't want to be fully sated Christians. Live it. Love it. There's a, um, a word um, that is very important. And I'd like you to hear that word. Uh, people say, well, I, I want to know the word of God. OK, that's great. So we hear it. That's OK. We, we listen to it. That's great. No problem. We even say, yes, Lord. We say amen once in a while. Um, uh, the Pharisees were very good about that. We, we agree with we nod our heads. Yes, yes. But 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 the enemy wants to come along and say, OK, that's enough. It's good that you agree with it, you believe it, but you don't have to do it. You just don't have to do it. So you come and you say, yes, I want to love. I want to love my enemies. I, I believe that I want to love the Bible says I want to I want to love my enemies. and you go home and on the way home, somebody cuts you off in your car. And something wells up inside of you that is very ugly. And um, you say, what happened? Or you say, yes, I believe that as we, as a people, as a church, that we want to do our every thing we can to reach one more person for Christ. Yes, I believe that. And I think all of you people should do that. But I'm just not going to bother. See, hearing the word of God without doing the word is delusion. Or revelation without transformation is meaningless. Satan and his minions know the word. Now, last week I said to you that I was going to give you my last football analogy of, of the season. Well, I lied. Uh, uh, as I was writing my sermon this week, I just there's just one more. And, uh, you know, by the way, there's only five months till football season. Yeah, I know. I know that's exciting. Some of your, you women especially are fired up about that. Uh, anyway, so, so here's my football analogy. So you go to a practice and uh, you learn all the plays. You learn the playbook backwards and forwards and you know the plays and you go on. And I used to love chalk talks when I was in high school. I chalk talks and the coach gets up there and writes and here's where everybody's positioned and here's what you do. This guard comes down here, blocks on the, tie, the defensive end and then you do this and all. The, and I just loved that and I just memorized it and I knew it all and it was great. And, and it was just you had all this information. It was so wonderful. And, and then the coach says, OK, now it's time to get out there and play in the game. Well, but if I do that, I'm, I might fumble and and be very embarrassed or I might get hurt because that's a violent sport. And and I, I might disappoint my coach or I might disappoint the other players. I might disappoint my parents. And and and, and I'm not sure I want to do that. I I know the place and I, I know the playbook and I love the huddle. Oh, the huddle. The huddle is so much fun. Eleven guys standing around with their arms around each other, loving on each other, you know, fully devoted to football. And just is so great. And the quarterback says, now, here's the play. And I say to myself, oh, that's a, that's a great play. I love that play. That's my favorite play. I can quote that play. 
I could tell other people about that play. I just love that play. But when it comes time to breaking the huddle and getting in the game, said, not me. I'm afraid. I'll be hurt. I'll disappoint. I won't do something right. And, and we just get all kind of... Well, that's what James is saying. James is saying, as in A.D. 45, while the bombs are dropping and the bullets are flying all around him, James says, it's not enough to just know what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to do it. You're supposed to live it. Now, the Greek word for listen, verse 22, the word for listen, the Greek word for listen, now hear this, is the word audit. A-U-D-I-T. Audit. Okay, the Greek word for listen is audit. So here's what James is saying. Don't you dare audit life. Don't you dare know all the information, but do nothing with it. No test. I don't have to write a paper. I'm not worried about a grade. There's no real stake. I'm not really engaged in the class. I'm just getting information. Isn't that wonderful? No, it's not, James says. That's the opposite of what Christians are supposed to do. Don't audit life. Don't audit your Christian faith. You know it. You believe it. You've taken the weeds out. You've taken the wax out of your ear. You know the truth. Now live it. I was, when I was in Roseville, I, um, we were very close. Our church was just a couple miles from Bethel College and Seminary. And I, and I loved, uh, I, I took several classes at Bethel uh, Seminary. Uh, they had a D-Men program, a Doctor of Ministry program. I took some classes. And I remember when I first went, I met with an advisor and I said, now I'm a, I'm a pastor I'm, and I'm busy and, um, and um, you know, what should I do? He said, well, uh, take, take one class. Don't take too much at once. Take one class. He said, here's another option. Audit the class. I said, what does that mean? He said, well, it's, it's easy. You get to come to class, uh, hear all the information, uh, receive it all, talk to the other students about it. But you don't have to do the papers. You don't have to, you don't have to take the tests. Uh, you don't have to uh, do the project. Uh, you, you, in other words, you, you can learn a lot of information and not do anything with it. That's exactly what he said. You can learn a lot of information and not do anything. And I said to him, I said, I know myself. Uh, that would be too easy for me. I can't do that. I can't audit that class or I, I won't get anything out of it. I, I've got to take it for real. The purpose of the word of God is transformation, not information. The purpose of the Word of God is transformation, not information. How many Christians have we know, known that have all the information? They can argue about whether you're pre-millennial, post-millennial, amillennial, or pan-millennial. They can argue all day long about how much water should be used in baptism. They can argue all day long about whether, what uh, uh, redemption means and what propitiation means and sanctification. They can argue all day long, but all that is is information. Unless you do something about it. James says, bombs are dropping. Bullets are flying. Stretchers are being pulled off as Christians are being taken away that have been destroyed. All of that's happening. And James says, don't audit your Christian life. Get in the game. Be transformed by the Word of God. We all need that. Every one of us. I had a uh, teacher, Sunday school teacher, when I was growing up at Crest Community Church. Uh, his name was Harry Lillibridge. I've mentioned Harry before. But Harry was uh, one of those men who, a bachelor, lifelong bachelor. Uh, when I had him for, when I was a sixth grader, and I had him for Sunday school class, there was about six of us boys. Um, 
I thought he was really an old man. Looking back, he was probably in his 40s. But I thought, man, this guy is just way over the hill. And um, but Harry knew his Bible. He had his Bible all marked up. You know, you open the Bible and all these underlying passages, red and yellow and different, you know, stuff. And Wow, this guy really knows his Bible. And he did. He could quote verses and and he he would lead us in a prayer every Sunday for those that wanted to give Jesus uh, give our lives to Jesus. And he just did a lot of really neat things. Uh, he, he was just this really awesome kind of Christian role model. But but when he went home. Now, I know this from his neighbors and from those of us that as we grew older, tried to minister to him. He was a grumpy. Closet alcoholic. He had a hatred for his neighbors. He had a hatred for his job that he worked at for 40 some years. In the 1990s, he died at about 81 years of age. And I happened to be home in San Diego at that time. It was a summer when he died. I saw it in the paper. I went to his funeral and there were three people there. Myself, I hadn't seen him for 30 years. His neighbor, who hated his guts but felt like somebody should be there. And a street, a homeless person who thought there was going to be food served. Three people. I'll tell you what. I'm not going to say that everything Harry's life was was wrong because he did teach me the word of God so there's always good in something but here's here's the here's the bad news Harry Lillibridge audited his Christian life oh he knew it he knew the information but there was no transformation there was no love for another person there was no sense of 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 how can I serve God in the world he audited his Christian life James 122 do not merely listen to the word And so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Don't audit the course. Jesus, in John 13, he came into a room, and you know the story, and uh, all the disciples were gathered. They were chatting in clusters of two and three, just talking about things. And um, there was not a servant in this room. There normally was a servant. The owner would provide one to wash the people's feet when they came in because the streets were very dirty, all, you know, uh, dirt roads. And, but there was no servant there, so the men were in there and their feet were still dirty. And that was really inappropriate to have a meal with your feet not being washed. That was one of the Jewish customs that was just not appropriate. It was wrong. And so Jesus walked into the room. He picked up a towel and a basin and he began to wash the feet of the disciples, which sounds like a neat thing that he did, but he caused, he caused an uproar. <laughs> Because all of a sudden, all this guilt kind of overwhelmed the disciples thinking, man, I should have thought of that. I should have been a disciple. I could have been been one of Jesus' inner circle people because I thought about serving these other guys. But Jesus did it. Now what are we going to do? And Peter argued with them. And when he was done washing all, and you would think that some of the other disciples would have got up and helped him. But there was only one talent basin. I am sure that some of them said, Jesus, let me take that over. He said, no, I want to do this. So he washed the feet of all the disciples including Judas, washed the feet of all the disciples. And when he was done, here's what he said. Do you guys now understand the technique of foot washing? Do you now understand the importance of taking off the sandals first, because otherwise you can have wet sandals, and washing the feet and making sure that you get between the toes, Do you understand how important it is to have good 
um, you know, a, a pedicure once in a while, because come on, guys, your feet really are bad. Do you understand all of this? This stuff really matters to have clean feet. And it's good because the law says you he didn't say any of that stuff. He said, do you understand what I've just done for you? And the disciples probably kind of dumbly went like this. He said, now that you understand what I've done for you, he said, go and wash others feet. <laughs> go and wash somebody else's feet. He doesn't care about technique. He doesn't care about whether or not you're smart enough to, to be a good witness to somebody else. He doesn't care about how much of the Bible you knew at that point. He said, I want you to go and wash feet. Learning about foot, foot washing, its values, its technique, that's revelation. But doing it is transformation. Do you remember the old, um, ad, now again, I'm showing my age here. Um, the old Wendy's hamburger commercial with uh, Clara Pellers. Anybody remember that? Okay. <laughs> Three of you. Great. That makes me feel good. Uh, well, she was that sweet little old lady that went to another hamburger joint. Uh, it was a Wendy's commercial. I got the burger, looked at this huge bun, opened it up, and there's this burger the size of a quarter, and she belts out this phrase. Okay, more of you are older than you thought you were. Where's the beef? You know, and it was a great commercial. In fact, it became kind of a cultural phenomenon. To this day, people are still using that phrase, where's the beef? Well, that's what James is asking his readers in chapter 1. Are you doing the word? Where's the beef? The beef is Christianity acted out. <laughs> the beef is doing the word. The beef is obedience. The beef is taking the living word of God and living it out. It is hearing and doing. The beef isn't how many Bible verses we read or sermons we hear. Nothing wrong with those things. It's how we live it out. The beef isn't whether or not we keep a prayer list. The beef is whether or not we pray. The beef isn't whether or not we know three Greek words for love in the Bible. It's whether or not we love others, including our enemies. The beef isn't whether we have good doctrine, but do we have a transformed life? A missionary visiting a cannibal tribe asked the chief, do you people know anything about religion? Well, the chief explained, we got a little taste of it the last time a missionary was here. Yeah. Yeah. You guys are really sharp. Yeah. Missionary, we got a little taste of him the last time he was here. I don't want a little taste of religion. I don't want to audit my life. I don't want to have revelation without transformation. I don't want to spew all the Bible verses I know and tell all the people what the, how they should live. I want to be transformed by the living Word of God. Jesus confronted Peter in John 21. And as he did, I'm sorry, I'm looking at my watch. Oh, I'm sorry, we're over time. I got a little out of control there. As uh, Jesus was uh, looking at Peter, and Peter had sinned against him, as you know, and, and Peter sheepishly said, Lord, um, you know, I'm sorry. And Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? 
Words. Important words. He wanted an answer. Peter said, of course, Lord, you know I love you. I love you with all my heart. And you'd think next Jesus would say, okay, that's great. That's all I need to know. He didn't say that. (laughs) He said, if you love me, feed my sheep. I don't want to hear the words, Jesus said. Nothing wrong with the words, but I don't want to just hear the words. I want to see you live out your faith in the world. Whether it's Streetlight or the Navajo or ministry in Chandler or serving at a, a chocolate affair or setting up chairs or doing weeds in the in the pro. I want you to live out your faith every single day. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, I this message has just been beating me up all week because I not only have to believe it, I've got to then preach it a couple of times. And Lord, I, I, I ask that you would help us to go from. This place that we get stuck so many times of revelation. Oh, I know the word. I know the verses. I can do all the work. And that we would find ourselves sprinting to transformation. That we would take off those old clothes of filthiness and dirt. That we would take the wax out of our ears. That we would hear that word and let it take root in our lives. And because it takes root in our lives, Lord, that you would let us live that faithfully. Do that in our lives, Father. May this word be alive in us and may we not forget it. For we pray this in the precious name of Jesus and all of God's people together said, Amen. Amen.